Welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my good friend Reese, a.k.a. Referee. And Reese held the fort down last week. It was actually a pretty good episode, Reese. You were going off the cup. You're a you're an at you're a regular Peter King. Wait, oh. no, not Peter King. Who's who's the uh, Dan Patrick? You're a regular Dan Patrick. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. There's many worse people you could have called me, which many of whom <laughs> I will not say their names on air because I don't want to get canceled myself. Oh, you mean you mean Colin Cowherd? You mean Skip Bayless? You mean Stephen A. Smith? Oh, I'm thinking worse, <laughs> man. I'm thinking I'm thinking. Oh, no. I'm not going to say the name, but flashback about 15, 20 years ago. And there's probably one person that docs sports, particularly in your head, you're going to cancel out. So, oh, okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. It, it's, it's really burning in my ears, perhaps. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. See, this is the hard thing. We can't even say the name. It's like saying Voldemort, <laughs> but worse. We can, uh, we can bleep it out, but I'll say it. three, two, one, Jim Rome. Oh no, D- no, this is way worse than. I'm straight up talking. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I thought Jim Rome. No, Jim Rome's fine. He's not great, but I mean, he's, he's, he's fine. No, but Do you know, he's still, you know, he still has a talk show too. No way. What is yeah, it? Dude, he's still going. Uh, it's called, it's just called like Jim Rome, but it's on Fox um, FS1. I remember, let's see. He was, what was his show before Rome is burning? Mm. Like when he had that NBA player I, like beat him up on set. Remember that? That that was on Roma's Burning. Wasn't was that Roma's Burning? Yeah. Do you think we can get yeah, Jim and Ro- and a NASCAR guy beat him up too? <laughs> Do you think we could get Jim Rome on our podcast and we can beat him up and just like complete the circle of life? <laughs> well, the thing is, like Jim Rome is just is still way too famous. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. what what would really piss Jim Rome off? It'd probably be when he got beat up. Hey, Jim Rome, remember when you got beat up? Do you do you think we could invite him on the show? And then convince him that we believe he's the lead singer of Sublime with Rome. <laughs> what? Be like, dude, Jim Rome. So how did it feel what? taking over for Bradley Newell after his tragic heroin overdose, man? Like, what made you step in and feel like you could really bring life to his music? Dude, I've totally lost you right now. Sublime- I have no idea what you're, uh, how you connected Sublime with Jim Rome. Because <laughs> so when when Sublime broke up after their lead singer died. They reformed okay. in like the mid late two thousands with a new lead singer and guitar player. And they called themselves sublime with Rome. Like the, the dude's name oh. is, is Rome. So how do you know that? I love sublime, man. <laughs> Sublime's great. I, mean, I like sublime, but not enough to know that they created a new band band called sublime with Rome. Sublime is one of like three bands that if they came to Kansas City, if they were under $100, I wouldn't think twice. And if they were over $100, I would be like, let me think about it, but it's probably going to be yes. Primus being another <laughs> one, I am so mad. I drive by this billboard every day that shows shows at Grinders, and I'm like, I never look at it because I'm like, I'm not going to go out to a show at Grinders. I'm too busy. Life's too short. And then today I drove by... And I saw that on October 9th, so just this last weekend, they had Primus. Do you know how close I've been to seeing Primus like three times now? And the fact they were right there and I missed them? Dude, it sucks. I don't know who Primus is. John the Fisherman, the South Park theme song, uh, Too Many Puppies. Oh, cool. Jerry was a race car driver. Oh, that's Jerry was a race car driver? Oh, yeah, dude. That's Primus. I love that song. Yeah, man. Primus, oh. Primus sucks. At Grinders, shout out to Grinders for having um, the best Philly cheesesteak I've ever had. Dude, they sell those at Coffin Stadium now. The Grinders Philly cheesesteak? Grinders has a small little booth, and they no only way. like they only serve like domestic beer, Philly cheesesteaks, and like one other thing. But wow. I mean, it was life giving that day. I needed calories. That's wild. Yeah, best best Philly cheesesteak and. Dare I say the best pizza in Kansas City? It's pretty good pizza. Because I'm I'm totally on the like New York style side of things when it comes to the pizza debate, whether it's deep dish or like New York style. Love New York style. So yeah, shout out Grinders for really good food. You know what's funny? The best New York style pizza doesn't even come from New York. <laughs> 
What is it? Anywhere else but New York. Dude, I'm tired of walking into New York pizzerias and I'm like, yeah, I'll have a slice of pepperoni, a slice of mushroom. And they're like, all right, here's a pizza we made like 45 minutes ago. It's been sitting in our heating lamp, but we're going to throw it in the oven for like 15 seconds and call it fresh. And I'm like, no, this sucks. <laughs> it's the truth. That's, that's definitely true. Speaking of which, not related to New York pizza, but I was just in Connecticut, as, as you and the fans know. Mm-hmm. And in Connecticut is the town of Mystic. And I don't know if you're familiar with with the rom-com Mystic Pizza with Julia Roberts. Are you familiar? Uh, I've probably heard that in a trivia question somewhere, but go on. Well, now you have it in case you do some more trivia. But anyway, so this is where Mystic Pizza, um, the movie took place and where it's based off of. So my host family told me to not go there because the pizza's awful. And the place that Logan, my wife, wanted to go for lunch was Mystic Pizza. Oh, and I was no. like, ah. I was like, you know, we probably shouldn't go because, you know, my host family lives here. Like, oh, no, it'll be fun. And we can take pictures of Mystic Pizza. And I'm like, okay, fine. So we went and just just had a slice because we were like going all over the place, whatever. So I just grabbed a slice and actually tasted not bad. It tastes like Chuck E. Cheese pizza, actually, which I thought it was going to be worse than that. But that is not why my host family told me not to have it. It's what happens after you have this oily, oily pizza that is frowned upon in Connecticut. And it's a mega stomach ache and other things that I can't explain on this podcast. But boy, did I have a horrible time after I had one slice of Mystic Pizza. (laughs) What do they use for oil on their pizza that makes it so like deadly? Dude, I don't know, man. But if I if I would have put a napkin on that pizza, just like a regular restaurant napkin, it would have disappeared in the pizza because of how much oil was on it. Uh, and I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And I was like, I've had oily pizza before. And like for those, I mean, I don't want to get too specific on this podcast about my my gastral issues, but um, I am slightly lactose intolerant, not to the point that I can't have pizza. I actually just had a ton of pizza today and it's fine. It's really just like straight milk or like liquidy, liquidy lactose. That's weird. That's a weird uh, high school band name, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I can have solid cheese. I can have stuff like that. But no, after this, man, it was a battle. Battle of 300, baby. Oh, my goodness. That sounds (laughs) awful. Mystic Pizza. It was awful. Mystic Pizza, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. Julia Roberts. Do you think instead of just like grease, they actually just soak the crust in like LSD or something like that? And they're like, that's what makes it mystic, bro. You go on a journey to the bathroom afterwards. <laughs> yeah, we've evolved I mean, the bathroom humor on this show. I don't care. It's been a long week. Yeah, it's been a long way. Reese, tell us about your week before we talk about the really long game that we are avoiding talking about right now. Well, as I alluded to on the podcast last week, why it took so long to come out was we were setting up for our 8th annual October Fiesta celebration, which is a benefit for the Maddie Rhodes Center. So I was busy getting all those pieces and ducks in a row. And to be honest, like I'm very uh, thrilled with how it went. It was really fun to kind of take the reins on that event. It's one of the beer halls. I would say currently that's like the beer halls WrestleMania. So, you know, it's like the biggest, baddest annual event we do. That's a big deal. Uh, we'll see with with some upcoming events, but you know life life is subject to change, much like WWE cards. But more importantly, it went well. It was dope. We had a mariachi band. We backed in the beer trailer for that, so we had like six beers on tap outside. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was very very exhausting. And I have my first day off in a while tomorrow, so oh I'm stoked about that. Oh, that's great, man. Mm-hmm. Stoked. What are you going to do on your day off? Sleep? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I might I might buy the Spider-Man game that came out like four years ago now that it's hopefully like 15 bucks. <laughs> but, I don't think so. It's kind of like it's kind of like Grand, Grand Theft Auto where it's like still $60 10 years <sighs> later. Yeah, the game's actually appreciated in value. It's now 80 bucks. <laughs> Digital download only. No refunds. <laughs> Well, yeah. you you deserve it, Reese. And this is your first big public event, right? As w- working in your new position, I I I would say so. Yeah, I would say this my ver- my first big, big bad, you know, put up or shut up kind of event. I, I've had a few events before now that are kind of you know like I don't say training wheels events, but much much more low stakes. No, this one was right. This one was uh 
you know, if you had NCAA 14, no, not NCAA 14, like NBA 2K, this is one of the games where like the little circle of your quote unquote agent would pop up in the loading screen and be like, yo, the lights are on and it's time for you to put up. Show them what you got, my man. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> or like in half, like halftime, you're, you were like, oh, for 15. And then your coach is like, stop shooting. <laughs> and you're like, nah, <laughs> nah. Nah. Then, then you go like six for eight. And then you get promoted from the 12th man on the roster to then being a glorified bench player. Exactly. Or when they're like, okay, your goal for tonight's game is score 18 points. And they put you in for like a cumulative minute 15. So it's like, don't punish <laughs> me for this. <laughs> What am I supposed to do? Yes, but, well, that that was before 2K figured out how to like adjust gameplay where like even as a rookie, like if you played 40 minutes of the game, you would score 100 points. So they were like, how are we going to do this so that people don't just like shoot threes all day? And mm-hmm. this is before they were able to adjust. Now they adjust gameplay. Now you really suck when you start out on my player. Like <laughs> you are a legit rated 50. More than before. I remember a 2K. 11 when you started off as like a 40 overall it's like even if you were like seven foot seven it's like nope you can't even make a layup and it's like how how who drafted me people figure out how to like time their shots though and just like kind of rig the game 10 years ago now there's no way like you literally have to play at least 30 hours of gameplay before you really start getting that green like it mm. took me and and I'm, I'm not you know on the the top end of players, but I'm like above average. And yeah, dude, took me forever. Forever. So what, so what you're saying is we both need to save it for PS5s and then get the new 2K. Well, I'm already having to get the new 2K now because the team that I play with or the group of people that I play with already got it. So mm. I might just like get it and that's it, man. And then I'm just going to have the Xbox forever. <laughs> Do they do they allow digital upgrades now? Don't they do that for some games where it's like if you bought like no. 2K15 on the 15 where are we? 2K22 on the PS4 but then you buy a PS5 like you have a key inside your box so it's like get the digital download for oh. the PS5. Yeah, yeah, you can do that for the last NBA 2K game but yeah, so like you can do cross play or whatever but you can't upgrade from that year for or for example like last year's nba 2k21 you can't get an upgrade for 22 Hmm. if that's what you're saying i gotcha yeah but but i know what you're saying if you get a new console then yes you get the game for free on the new console yeah 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 correct well armando i gotta ask are we just avoiding talking about the game at this point? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said like five minutes ago. All right. So 13 and a half minutes in to the podcast, we finally get to the dreaded game that we just saw on Sunday night Uh, for many, many hours. It was, it, it was a slow kill. It was a slow drip because of the Ugh. the massive rain delay. So not only did we have to watch that disastrous first half, but then we had to end it in the second half much, much later. So for those of you that didn't see it, you can turn off this podcast now because you're not going to learn anything and you're going to be sad and you're never going to want to listen to us again. But for those of you that did watch it, just a reminder, we lost to the Bills on Sunday night, 38 to 20, and it was never close. We were never in. Um, the first half was just as bad as the second half. I mean, second half, we got a little bit better, but I mean, it was, it was trash. We were trash. Uh, Reese, I have, I have no outline today. There's, there's no outline. I have some stats that I can read to make us sad. Um, yeah, let me just read a couple sad stats and then we'll get into it because I have no outline. Let's just talk about what the heck is going to happen to these chiefs. Who are we? Who, who are we right now? I mean, this is, this is wild. Anyway, um, let me, let, let's see, what should I read? Okay. In the Mahomes era. No, no, I don't like that one. Let's do another one. <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, the 18 point loss is the worst home loss under Andy Reed with the chiefs. And it's the worst home loss uh, for the chiefs since week 11 of 2012, when we lost by 22 to the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. So, I mean, this is like, this is like pre Alex Smith, bad, how bad this loss was. Um, let's see. What's another, yeah, how about this one? 
No, I won't read that. I'll, I'll, I'll read them interspersely. So Reese, this was the worst Patrick Mahomes loss. Um, well, I, I guess the Super Bowl was the worst loss, but we had a legitimate excuse mm-hmm. like there. I think we all collectively agree. The offensive line was decimated and it wasn't a Patrick Mahomes thing or anybody else really. And the defense played as best as they could. This is legitimately an awful loss. There is no explanation. We can't blame the refs. We can't blame anyone but the chief. So Reese, what is one, let's just bounce off each other. What is one takeaway from this game? Whether it's about the bills, whether about the chief specifically about people on the chiefs, let's just, let's just have at it. Reese one takeaway go. (sighs) I've been trying to figure out how to put this to words all week. To be honest, I've had conversations in my car with the rear view mirror. I've had conversations with the echo in my shower, but I can't quite figure it out. But I would say is the Chiefs are definitely down, but I don't feel like they're necessarily out. Reason being, there's too much talent on this team that's still either young or in their prime. Because how many times have we seen it with other dynasties? Like, let's even say... uh like the early 2000s Lakers, once like, you know, San Antonio finally knocked them off in the Western Conference Finals, and was it the year after like Detroit beat them in the in the finals, it's like, okay, this team's getting old. This core doesn't yeah. work anymore. That doesn't feel like well, we're the and, ch- and 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 sorry to to not like talk about the Lakers, but that was just a completely different new team, right? The Gary Payton, Carmelo, and Gary Payton mm-hmm. was benched. I mean, Derek Fisher was starting over Gary Payton at the end. Um yeah, it's totally different. You're right. You're right. Like dynasties end at a certain point. Yeah. And there are very clear reasons why a dynasty will end. Correct. And that, that team was old. Peyton was old. Uh, Malone was old. Uh, Shaq was on the very entrance of his descent. The only one on the upswing there was Kobe. But like, that's not where the Chiefs are right now. Like Kelsey's not old. Tyreek's not old. Patrick is far from old. It's almost a little more perplexing and unnerving that the chiefs are performing this badly at so many different facets of the game when it doesn't feel like the sun has set on this core necessarily. It just feels like the team is completely off and in need of a tune-up. So Reese, you say that there was so much talent on this team and I'm assuming that you mean mainly on the offense, right? Defense, maybe honey badger. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's just get right into it then. Do you think that this team is still a playoff team? Let's start there. Well, I mean, that's a double-sided sword. I think they definitely... I will say this right now. The Chiefs still have the most talent of any team in the AFC. I don't don't think that's up for debate. Uh, Agreed. The question is, can they get out of this funk? And that's where it's like, if they can get out of this funk then in theory, they'll be getting out of it towards the playoff time. They'll be making a push to make the playoffs, and at that point, they'll be hot, and would any team in the AFC want to play a hot Chiefs team that's putting it together? This is obviously putting the cart way before the horse on this, but, I mean, as they're playing right now, if they don't break out of this funk, no, this is a 6-7 win team as they're currently playing. Yeah, because currently we are three games behind first place in the AFC oh, we West. Ain't get, we ain't getting first. We ain't getting first in the West. Well, right, right. We could, we could still technically get first in the West. We ain't getting first in the AFC though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there. Yeah. That is way out of the possibility. Even if we go on a hot streak, mm-hmm. right? Because we are. I don't know how many games back we are on the Bills right now. Bills are four and one. Right. They're not undefeated yet. But uh, yeah, they lost um, to the the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're also three games behind them, and they have they have the tiebreaker. So that's just <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> but but you know what? And this is this is sort of sour grapes. I'm gonna admit, but like I don't think the Bills have beaten a good team yet, us included. the The Chiefs uh, as they, the Chiefs as they currently stand are not a good team. So I can't get a good okay. reading on how good this Bills team is. To be honest, okay. I, let's let's not jump there because I do want to address that. But before we get to that. So we have both established, because I agree with you, we are a playoff team. We are the most talented team in the AFC West, no question. Now, say we say we get a little bit better on defense. Say we kind of figure it out. Is that still a Super Bowl contending team to you? I don't think so. I don't think the offense is clip, clicking at such a clip that they can just go in and beat 
anybody at any given time, particularly because we don't have a run game still. And even before Clyde went down this year, we still don't have a run game. I think we're going to need a defense that's at least a top 10 to 15 somewhere in their defense, which I think we had the year we beat the 49ers by year's end. I think that that turned into about a top 12, top 13 defense. But it was that situation last year. We had an offense that could walk on water, but honestly, a very soft and manipulative defense that was starting to show cracks, which have come to full-on dam bursts this year. So so let's stop there then and let's just take in what we are saying because I agree with you there we're not a Super Bowl team. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Both of us are saying the Kansas City Chiefs who have been in the Super Bowl for the last 2 years and the AFC Championship for the last 3 years under Patrick Mahomes are not a Super Bowl team. Are not a Super Bowl contender in 2021 and that's that's a big deal. That's a big deal and we can't just gloss over that. I mean it's it's so sad to see the defense really not showing up. I bet I'm sure I could have said that better, but they, they suck. They just, they flat out suck. Oh yeah. And they are going to be the reason why we are not Super Bowl contenders. They are the reasons why we are not Super Bowl contenders. And, and I was thinking about this analogy earlier today. It's like when, when like Kobe Bryant, when, when Shaq left and it was Kobe Bryant for a few years, the Lakers weren't half bad, right? Like uh, other people were supporting Kobe until they kind of blew up that core. And then it became Kobe smush Parker, Chris Mim, you know, all this Shannon Brown, all these dudes that you'll never hear about ever again until this podcast. And that unfortunately is what I am seeing with the Kansas city chiefs is they are, they have been so used to Patrick Mahomes being their savior, being the person that is that Kobe Bryant. That's going to take a three triple covered, but Kobe Bryant always had Derek Fisher, Robert Ori, or some guy who's maybe not a superstar, but always by the him by his side to help him out. And Patrick Mahomes had that in Honey Badger. He's he's had that in Chris Jones. He's had it in spurts, Frank Clark in the playoffs. But we're not seeing any of that this year. And now we're starting to see this Kobe Bryant with Smush Parker, Kobe Bryant with Chris Mim. And who who is Smush Parker? Who's Chris Mim? Yeah, let's say all of the cornerbacks. Let's say all of the linebackers. Let's say all of the defensive line. And it's so sad because... Patrick Mahomes is still one of the greatest ever play and could potentially at the end of his career be the greatest quarterback to ever live. And we are in the time where we where we need a Super Bowl because his contract is going to be a lot different next year. We're still on this. We're not on the rookie contract, but we are on this like Brett Veach triage contract for Patrick Mahomes. I don't have the exact numbers. It's not going to get any easier, guys. Kansas City, it's not getting easier after this year. So it's a shame that the defense understands these things and they still are not doing the simple things. I will quote Honey Badger. He said after the game, it's a simple game. Cover your guy, make a tackle. When you don't do that, that's embarrassing. So of course we're talking about one guy, but I mean, it wasn't just Sorensen, right? People, everyone off the bat was not, we're, we're not making tackles. So this is just something that I want to bring up because we're not a Super Bowl contending team and that's a huge deal. And I don't know if there is any way during this year that we are going to improve before the playoffs defensively. No, I agree. I think this I think the only chance we have to improve defensively, and I I will stand on my soapbox and die on this hill, is that Spags needs to literally swallow his pride, admit he is foolish for even being this stubborn. You got to plug Juan Thornhill in at strong safety. You got to plug Willie Gay in at that Mike linebacker spot and get Ben Neiman off the field and put your most young, talented, athletic, maybe inexperienced lineup out there because you saw it in the third quarter and beginning of the fourth quarter against the Bills. When that lineup is out there, they are absolutely making stops. They are 40 to 50% faster on the ball. They're not getting blown up all the time, and they are playing to hit. It's seriously like watching a college speed defense, even Alabama, and then going and watching an NFL speed defense and realizing there's two different qualities of players and units out there. 
And this is why I was saying it's kind of hard to gauge Buffalo because they're not playing a good team. I'm not saying we still win that game if we do this one move, but it at least would have changed the outlook of it. They got 21 points, free points, on picking on Dan Sorensen. You take Dan Sorensen out of there so the score is maybe like, I don't know, 14 or 17 to 10 at the half. It's like, that's a completely different game. It feels like we're behind, but we're not getting our butts kicked and no chance of coming back. The team, Patrick Mahomes included, had the feeling that so long as Dan Sorensen and to a degree Ben Neiman are out here, we have less than zero chance of ever stopping this D. So anything less than seven points, every drive is a lost drive. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to address your point and then I'm going to address what you said about the bills. So first and foremost, you're right. And I'm going to read through that third quarter. Let's see. Bill's first drive three and out Bill's second drive three and out again. Bill's third drive three and out Bill's fourth drive three and out. The only, the only drive that they scored a touchdown was the only drive that they had in the fourth quarter, which was that touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders, um, which then there was that roughing the passer on Clark, which, uh, Fenton got the, got the interception anyway. So if there was not the roughing the passer, we actually stopped them every single drive in the third and fourth quarter. So you're right. The adjustments were made and those adjustments that were made are you bring the young guys in, you bring the athleticism. This, these are things that we've been talking about since, since the beginning of, of, the season by the way Kyrie Irvin is doing a live video on Instagram I just got it is it his vaccination yeah forget this podcast I want to see what he's going to say <laughs> hey guys anyway, I'm, getting another- the, I'm getting the Sputnik vaccination here over in Russia because I trust <laughs> the Russian government have you have you seen that meme where where they have like a fake arm and it's like Ky, <laughs> Kyrie Irving going in for his vaccination shot and then after the shot he just takes the arm off and walks yeah. away. Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. all right, going back to so Reese, you're right, you're right. Like we we were able to stop them, but we're able to stop them because of the young guys and because of athleticism, which we've been talking about the whole year. And it's it's so sad. Actually, uh, another analogy to this in the NFL is Kyle Pitts, you know, Kyle Pitts, the, uh, the uh, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons Mm -hmm. in the last two games, he's been going off. Why? Because they've targeted more than 10 times the past couple weeks where before they were targeting him like four or five times. Like what, what genius decided, Oh yeah, we got a fourth round pick. Why don't we just start targeting him more? Like it, it is that simple. It is that simple that we make changes like this. There were a few people on Twitter, um, ESPN analysts, I won't name their names. They were actually defending Sorensen and I'll, and I'll get your opinion and I'll, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this. In fact, Mitchell Swartz also defended uh, Sorensen and let, let's see your reaction to this. And also remind me, I want to talk about the bills because I'm going to forget. I'm just on a roll right now, man. I'm feeling it. Haven't had coffee in like hours, but boy, this bill's lost. I mean, this Chiefs Lodge is firing me up. Okay, Reese, this was the argument argument that people had against or for Sorensen. So they said because of our weak pass rush and because of our weak getting to the quarterback pressure from the D line, it allows the play to evolve and doesn't allow Dan Sorensen to get to the place that he needs to be. I'm not really sure what the argument was, but the argument was that it's not Dan's fault. It is the defensive line's fault. What is your response, Reese? Because our defensive line isn't playing well, they have more time to pick on our absolute worst player. That's all it is. They're going to find him whether or not they got a dude in his face. Watch the replay. Every time they need a third and long, any team we play, I'm like, where did Dan Sorensen line up on this play? Their eyes do not go through their progressions. They keep an eye on Dan Sorensen every play. The Okay. The dude is fine if they want to bring him on third down packages as like the specialty part of that play. He's the late blitzer. He's the guy who kind of spies on the quarterback. If he wants to play special teams, that's fine. He is so far from being an every down talent in the NFL. It is physically painful. And every NFL team knows that. It doesn't matter. Unless our pass rush can straight up get to the quarterback in under two seconds, Dan Sorensen is going to get picked on every play. So I do not want to hear that we have to have 2007 (laughs) New York Giants boys in blue level of, you know, Michael Strahan pass rush because that's that's not going to happen. You're idiots if you think that's going to happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and even having Chris Jones in there is not going to change the outcome of this game. I know no. some people brought that up as well. Uh, because, look, Frank Clark still didn't play well. Um, I haven't heard the name J- Jaron Reed at all in the past five weeks. I mean, he was supposed to be this guy that's supposed to be. I, I haven't heard his name. Um, Mike Mike Dana shouldn't be starting. Great player, but he shouldn't he shouldn't be starting on a Super Bowl defensive line. Uh, Derek Nandi, great player, should not be starting on a Super Bowl uh, contending teams off uh, D sorry, defensive line. Uh, it, and, and it, it really is a shame because we had talked about this stacked D line that we have this, you know, this ever changing rotation that we have of players. We didn't see that. We saw that with the bills, the bills had like five, six, seven, eight guys that would just rotate that defensive line. And they looked, they look great. Also look at their, <laughs> look at their guys that, that, that they have drafted in the past two years. Like why, why can't we draft? like that it's not rocket science to draft players that are going to start and i'm not even talking about your boy spencer brown i'm talking about all these other guys who are like 2021 draft picks 2020 draft picks that aren't these hot names where the bills got them at the end of the first round the end of the second round end of the third round like it shouldn't be hard for us to grab people like this yes nick bolton's great but we need someone on the defensive line that's young that has legs and they can do this stuff well you're starting to bring up another good point now which is that you know up until this point, Brett Veach could do no wrong. He was the wunderkind. He was the guy who told Andy and John Dorsey we need to get Patrick Mahomes. Look, I get that. Cool. Fine. He needs to start making better decisions. We need to stop paying free agents and trade acquisitions these giant contracts that make them, if, if even only for like a few months or a year, the highest paid player at X position because Frank Clark has not even close to lived up to that contract. Chris Jones, hot take. I would trade Chris Jones right now if someone wanted to give us a first and a second. Chris Jones is, he is so far from living up to that contract that it's, it's laughable. And then, well, Reese, are you saying that because of his, his new position? What if, what if we put him back at tackle? If he, if he comes back at tackle and he starts causing havoc, sure. I don't think he's getting paid like he's Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald. He ain't playing like he's Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald. He's playing like he's a B-plus defensive lineman at best. What I'm saying at is we can't keep offering these giant contracts to players, and we can't keep giving up draft picks, and we can't keep missing on these draft picks. I'm talking about guys like your Breland Speaks. Look at this year's draft. What have we done with Noah Gray, Cornell Powell, or even our guy Clyde Edwards-Alaire with our one first-round draft pick two years ago. He's got to start drafting better. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think... I think this this week and these past these past losses have really put a microscope on the decisions that he's made because you're right. Patrick Mahomes was his bailout. Tyreek Hill has been his bailout. Travis Kelsey has been his bailout um, of like good draft picks, right? Well, I'm sorry. What draft pick have we had other than Legereus Sneed, who, by the way, does not look good this year? Other than him, who on the defense has has been good? that he has drafted name, name one. We can't, we can't name one. And it's sad. It's sad that we can't name one because we look at teams like the bills. We look at teams like the Ravens. We look at dumb teams like, like the Jacksonville Jaguars that, that will strike gold, right? That, and, and we take pride in our, in our scouts. We take pride in what we do yet. There's mediocre teams that have incredible defensive players. And we just, I think that Brett Veach like the defense is relying on their on on their Kobe Bryant, Patrick Mahomes. They are relying on their Kobe Bryant. And this game was good for us because we've realized that he can only do so much. He can he can only do so much. And I know we talked about this last year with the offensive line, but now this is a blanket over the defense. Like he can't save you anymore. Uh, for example, this uh, Patrick Mahomes is 23 and two against teams that gain more than five or more rushing yards per attempt, right? That is a blatant, that's a blatant, oh, I don't care. We can have 200 rushing yards per game and Patrick Mahomes is going to save us. He's going to save. Oh, Brett Veach. Eh, I don't, I don't need to draft another corner. I don't need to draft another D lineman. I don't need to draft another linebacker in the first round. We have Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we have been so spoiled. The spoiling is over. He is still fantastic, but we are no longer Super Bowl contenders by him being our Kobe Bryant. Okay. 
We can talk about it forever. But before we talk about it forever, I actually want to defend the Bills now, Reese. Okay. I think the Bills are great. I think Josh Allen is the best hybrid quarterback in the league. I agree with you. Combination of legs and arms. Yeah. No one's better. No, I, no one's better. I'd take him over Lamar Jackson. I would probably take him over Kyler Murray for durability's sake, just because he's got like a foot and a half on the dude. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got better legs than Russell Wilson. Might not be as accurate as Russell Wilson, but he's got better legs. And he's, you know, what, five, six years younger. No, Josh Allen's a good quarterback. I think he still makes a lot of boneheaded decisions like we saw with that intentional grounding that... Yeah, if, he's... He's he's got us. He's got to eat it. If you want to, if you want one reason why I would take Herbert over Josh Allen is that I don't think Herbert is making those kind of mistakes. But also, if I want legs and if I want some giant six foot six dude that's going to truck a defensive lineman, it's like sure, yeah, I'll definitely take Josh Allen. And I will say, last year I have never seen a one year improvement the way Josh Allen was between year two and year three. I mean, props to the sure. guy. Props to the guy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No. So I so I think the Bills are real. I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. I don't know if they're the best team in the NFL. I haven't seen a lot of Cardinals games, but Cardinals are five and oh, that's weird. Uh, but anyway, no, I think what they showed us, even though our defense sucks, um, I did watch another game this year. I forgot what I watched. Was it the Steelers game? They lost that game. Yeah, they lost. Um, the Steelers anyway, game. I, I watched another. I, I watched another Bills game. But you know what? That offense is on is on freaking fire, and because of the legs of of Josh Allen, but also because he's such a good pocket passer, like people in the middle of the field have no idea what to do with Josh Allen. They don't know whether to have a QB spy. They don't know whether to stay on Emmanuel. Sa- I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is now resurrected because of Josh Allen. Uh, Cole Beasley. I, I, we won't talk too much about Cole Beasley, but Cole Beasley also resurrected. And of course they have Stefan Diggs. Like he is making such great use of those wide receivers as well as the resurrection or the hello of, uh, I don't even know his first name. Dawson Dawson Knox their tight end who was on fire 117 yards of one touchdown and actually he's been consistent throughout this year Um, but I will concede to you that yes they haven't played the greatest teams uh, but to me just the eye test of what I saw also Zach Moss being a great running back who can catch the ball um, and their defense being average (laughs) again this is what I want the Chiefs team to be they have an incredible offense and an average defense and that is all you need to be the best team in the AFC in it pisses me off that we can't even be freaking average on defense. And that is why the bills I think are are the best team. They look better than the Ravens to me. I don't know. Oh no. Ravens. Ravens are legitimately like three or four plays away from being a one win team right now. Like that is not a good Ravens team. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we almost beat. I I think the, the best two teams in the AFC as of this moment right now are definitely Buffalo and the chargers as much as it pains me to say about the chargers. I mean, those are the right. two teams to me that I'm they're like, great. Th- they're healthy, they're playing well, they're playing coherent, and they're pretty balanced on both sides of the ball. Like I said earlier, I think if the Chiefs can magically pull their heads out of their butts, I'm like, this team has the talent and should be the best team in the AFC, but they're not, and I'm not going to pretend like they are. The Bills are better than we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a sneak peek at the Bills' schedule. They have the easiest schedule I've ever seen in my life. We don't have to go too much into it because we'll move on. But look at this. Next week, Titans, who Ryan Tannehill is playing awful. Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets, Colts, who are also in flux. Saints, who who knows what they are. Patriots, they can easily beat them. And they're really first challenge and their last challenge of the season is the bucks on december 12th after that it goes panthers patriots falcons jets and that was that was bills yes yeah yeah yeah. this is the bills (laughs) yeah no i mean that's a that's a favorable schedule we'll see what buffalo's made out of with a lot of those teams i i don't doubt they can win a lot of those games i think buffalo is a very good team right now i really do uh like i said what makes this so confusing for me right now is the fact that I don't feel like we've lost a game yet where I'm like, wow, we gave it our best shot and we just couldn't beat them. It feels like every game, you know, Ravens, incredibly untimely turnover and awful defense. Yeah, yeah we, we should have won that one. Chargers, four turnovers, including one on a game-winning drive, and and even then we were still right there in it. It's not like Again, we gave them our best. should have won that one. You know, and, and, and Buffalo, Buffalo tore us up, but I, I didn't feel like that was far from the best effort the Chiefs could possibly put on the field given their talent level. But like I said, I can't keep speaking in hypotheticals because, you know, 
I could say, what if air was actually made of flaxseed? But guess what? Air ain't made of flaxseed. All I know is I'm breathing it right now. And just as I breathe oxygen, <laughs> the Bills are a better team than the Chiefs. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, yeah, it's unfortunate to say, we're saying a lot of unfortunate things today. The bills are better. We're not Super Bowl contenders anymore. I mean, this is, this is awful. Um, before we, b- before we wrap up this section, Reese, I'm going to read one thing and then we'll talk about the offense. Kansas city's cumulative turnover margin for 2021 is now negative seven. Only the Jacksonville Jaguars at negative 10 are worse. It also won't surprise you that the bills now lead the league with a plus 10 turnover margin. Reese, what is going on with the offense? We saw Patrick Mahomes not even complete throws. I mean, he was short on a few of them. Obviously, the routes didn't look good. McCole Hardman looked like our best wide receiver on Sunday. Um, you just alluded to that this was not the best game that you've seen from uh, from that offense and that this was not our best game. They didn't, they didn't get the best of Kansas City. I agree with you on the defense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of this offense. Uh, what, what is going on with the offense and how worried are you? Uh, I counteract your one statistical fact with another one of my own. Through five weeks, the Kansas City Chiefs are allowing 7.4 yards per play, which through five weeks is the worst of all time and is on pace to still be the worst of all time. Oh, my. Seven and a half yards? Yeah, per play. Per play. Holy moly. So what that tells me is two things. Patrick and the offense are playing super rigid and uptight because they know, I mean, they know they have to get a touchdown every drive because the Chiefs are forfeiting over a field goal or more. It's like it's like 3.7 points per drive. So every time we kick the ball off, even if it's a touchdown, even if it's a field goal, we're behind points per drive. So that's one thing. The second thing being, I can't help but wonder if there's some dissent in the locker room and does this stem from the fact that Spagnolo refuses to play Gay and Sorensen or Gay and uh, Thornhill on the defense when that is obviously the best two players to be fulfilling those positions. So there could be a lot of players saying, "Man, I'm unhappy because because of Spags." And these players in the offense saying, "Man, if my guys are unhappy, then I'm unhappy." And that whole thing is very toxic. That's why I'm saying this Chiefs team is playing very disjointed. It's, it's not like this talent got this bad overnight. And this is more than a simple cover two shell throwing this offense off. There is a whole lot of dysfunction under the hood right now. My car is not just making this sound because I haven't had the oil changed in 3,000 miles. My car is making this sound because my bearing's out. My bearing's out because I haven't changed the brake pads. I haven't changed my brake pads because I'm cheap and dumb. that that makes sense we are being very cheap and very dumb on defense which is to the chagrin of Patrick Mahomes because you're right I think that if the offense or sorry the defensive schemes for now on is cover two which by the way the Bills played cover two 30 out of the 54 times that Patrick Mahomes threw the ball which is about the same rate that the Ravens did Uh, we're just going to see a lot of the Bill Belichick playbook and that's fine that's fine it actually works when you have Tyreek Hill slanting on one and one in the middle of the field when the safeties are just way back. So yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of that and that's not the reason why we lost. And, um, but it it sucks because you're right. Patrick Mahomes is now forced to make a touchdown every single play. And now we don't have any running backs. Well, actually (laughs) I won't go there because uh, this is going to be another 20 minutes about how you probably think Daryl, Daryl Williams is better than uh, CEH. And now we're going to like have this great, offense, which actually we might now that Daryl Williams is starting. I I will say this. I don't think Daryl Williams is that much better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I hate to say this because there is a Latin phrase that says, don't speak ill of the dead. And I don't mean to pile it on Clyde Edwards-Alaire when he just sprained his MCL, but I think this is a very good chance we've seen the last of Clyde Edwards-Alaire at the very least as the number one running back. And I, I think that's... Wow. I think it's fair. Even when he was healthy, as I alluded to in my podcast last week, those last 200-yard rushing games wasn't because Clyde suddenly figured something out or he's so elusive or he's so this or that. He went as the offensive line went. And credit to the Bills' defense, the offensive line wasn't able to generate the same kind of lanes this game as they were the last two lanes against the Eagles and Chargers. And with no lanes there, what happened to Clyde Edwards-Alaire? He went back to bouncing off the first guy to hit him 
and getting trucked. Yep. I think it's fair to say at this point, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is just not physically built to be an NFL running back, or at least an NFL running back number one. And the sooner we rip that Band-Aid off, and the sooner we go looking for the replacement, even if it's trading for Kareem Hunt or trying to get him as a free agent in 2023, sooner the better. Jeez. I will I will leave it there, even though I, I disagree with you. I understand what you're saying. Um, but you, you you know my stance on CH. I think he's great. But you're right. I think they're looking. We've, we've heard already Marlon Mack trade rumors, which is pretty sad. But, I mean, who knows? Marlon Mack had some good spurts in the Colts. They can show he, he can show him that he's the real deal. And then maybe CH might not come back. I don't know. Um, I will probably, if I'm a betting man, I'll choose the other side and say that CH will be back and healthy at some point and he'll probably be in there. But you, but you do make a good argument. I mean, it's not, it's not unfounded what you are saying. You're right. Like that was pretty pathetic. And he was going East and West again because he couldn't find any space North and South, which sucked. Um, let's leave it there, Reese, because boy, there's nothing good that came out of that but you know what we have some good stuff coming up stay tuned ladies and gentlemen what is our beer segment called now reese remind the viewers the hunt for red Oktoberfest. oh but you have to say it in that the uh sean connery way oh you mean it's the hunt for red That's right. That okay. clip stays in all through the month. Sorry, babe. The Crocs stay on during intimacy. That was that was pretty funny. No, I I, I did like your uh, your thing. Thank you. Appreciate it. favorite time of the podcast and even more so this month because as sean connery alluded to we are in week two of the hunt for red oktoberfest this month we are drinking nothing but fest beers meritsons all those delicious crispy oktoberfest themed lagers and this week armando's got a little bit of contraband he smuggled back from the great state of connecticut armando what beer will you be reviewing for us today I'm going to to be reviewing on Hunt for Red October Fresh. <laughs> I'll be reviewing. That sounded like Dick Cheney. <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to do the 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 thing that you did, the Sean Connery. I couldn't do it. Uh, I can't even do it right now either. I'm, I'm stuttering too much. Dude, do it, Reese. Do it. It's it's the Hunt for Red October. Oh, I can't even. That was good. That's good. It's the hunt for Red Oktoberfest. I love that. You got to say it every time. Yeah, I can't do that. Anyway, hunt for Red Oktoberfest beer today is going to be Autumn Winds by Gray Sail Brewing. Actually, not in Connecticut, from Rhode Island. Really, Rhode Island, huh? Yeah, it's in a it's in a brew it's in a brewery. T- no, sorry, it's in a city called Westerly, which is only like 10 minutes away from where I lived in Connecticut. I mean, Rhode Island's so small, Connecticut's so small, you're by every single town. In fact, when I was over there, uh, Logan and I went up to uh, Massachusetts, Massachusetts as well. So like we were in three states in one hour. That's why it's so funny. I, I had a buddy from a young artist program one year and I'm like, yeah, you know, I lived in Eastern Iowa. It took about five hours to get to Nebraska. He's like five hours. I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, dude, you can get across like four states in the in the Northeast in five hours. And I'm like, <laughs> it's true. I, it's I believe true. you. Yeah, no, totally, totally. So, uh, yeah, dude. Tell me, tell me that beer name one more time. Yeah, Autumn Winds by Gray Sail Brewing, and it's a nice little uh, sailboat on the front. And what kind of beer in particular is Autumn Winds? So Autumn Winds is a Märzen. So that's a, it's a rich Oktoberfest style beer or what they call it a fest beer. Oh, okay. Right on. And, and cool for them for that. Just going like full, you know, Bavarian light blue and white checker design and, you know, steins and <laughs> hats with the feather in them. It's like cool for them for doing a Märzen and be like, yeah, it's a Märzen. We got a sailboat. What of it? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I, I actually went deep sea fishing out there. Like sailing is legit yeah. and like living by the sea is, is a culture thing. So I totally understand only spending a few weeks. Now I feel like a man of the sea, but, but those people in Rhode Island and Connecticut, they are proud of their sea. So shout out gray sail brewing and shout out all my sea peeps. All right. All your sea peeps. Well, hopefully this is an a beer. So for those of you who are just joining us on the podcast for the first time, we review beers with five categories, each category having a one to 10 point system. And those categories are in order, aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste. So without further ado, Armando, what is the aroma on that Mertzen? All right, dude, I haven't used my own glasses in months. I feel like I haven't done this in like years. Oh my gosh, it's a tulip glass. I know, I love it. All right. Here we go. Yeah, it smells uh smells very malty. You get a lot of caramel in the smell. Um almost uh breadcrumbs as well. It's a nice little mix of that. Um a little heavy on the malt. Um, again, this did go through my suitcase. I don't think it damaged it at all, but uh, <laughs> but uh, a little more malt than I would like on a, on a Meritzen. I think some of the best Meritzens that I've had are still very light in nature, and that's kind of the same with all of like the German-style beers that I like. Um, they still are like incredibly light, like the Pilsners, like a Meritzen, like a Oktoberfest beer, all of them. So a little bit too heavy for me initially on Aroma, um, but again, I appreciate it for the style. So how about a 7.2? All right. 7.2 on that aroma. Now, next category up is appearance. And I'm just going to say from where I'm standing at, maybe it's the overhead light, but that is a very light colored Meritzen. Um, it's a little bit, the light, it's actually a little bit darker here. Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, it actually does look a, little, a lot different from what I'm seeing from your end and my end. Uh, it still is light in nature. You're right. Like definitely some, some Meritzens will look way more like pumpkin juice than this one does. This one kind of looks like pumpkin juice, but a little more translucent, um, even a little pink on the bottom. That's strange. Yeah. So I'm getting like an orange brown, some even pink features on the bottom. Um, so you can tell it's medium bodied as opposed to something a little bit heavier for a Meritzen. Uh, looks pretty good actually. And the, and the, and the head retention initially was good. It's dissipating a little bit. Um, so how about an 8.3? 8.3 on appearance. All right. I'm liking where this beer is going. And now you're going to like where this review is going because we're on category number three, which is flavor. My favorite. It's my favorite category flavor you know what's funny is you actually do a really good bing crosby no no gregory oh peck that's a really good gregory peck i don't know who that is he played atticus finch in uh to kill a mockingbird oh yeah nice amongst other stuff i just <laughs> that's the one that comes to my head first <laughs> I hope people get mad at me on this podcast, at me on Twitter, at me on Instagram. Armando, you don't know who these people are? Yeah, at me. <laughs> you don't know famous 1930s Hollywood film star? Uh, Logan L- Logan just opened the door. Who is, who is the person that I I didn't know? Gregory, Gregory Peck. I don't know who Gregory Peck is. What? <laughs> For those of you that can't hear, Logan said he's dreamy. I don't know. He's a mid-Atlantic dreamboat, but sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I do not know this mid-Atlantic dreamboat. I only know this Mexican dreamboat, and that is me. Oh, got him. Okay. Well, thanks for coming, Logan. We'll 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 see we'll see you next time. (laughs) Okay. Back to my second favorite thing. My first favorite thing is Logan. My second favorite is flavor. And my dog, Nelly. Yes. Okay. Let me drink that one more time. Yeah. Okay. So very, very caramel. Very caramel. Ooh, almost even some butterscotch, which actually I don't mind. That's actually pretty good. Pretty sweet. Kind of nutty, but not too nutty. Um, hmm. 
a little bit breadcrumby as well, like like I like I smelled. But um, yeah, that caramel is is very featured, and it's not too syrupy. I think some really bad Meritzen styles are like the super syrupy caramel ones, almost taste like honey. Uh, mm-hmm. That's gross. I don't like that. But this one actually has a very good full bodied caramel that is not like thin or thick. It's kind of in between, which is really nice. Yeah, pretty good taste. I am I am pleasantly surprised, Grayscale. I mean, Graysale. Uh, <laughs> I've only had a couple sips of it. Sorry, Graysale. I've only had a couple sips. This is great. How about a How about an eight point seven? Eight point seven. All right. It just keeps making its way up the mountain. So now we are in category four, which is mouthfeel. What is the mouthfeel like on that Meritson? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it medium? Uh, this one is this one's medium. It, it's not too heavy, even though it smelled really malty. Um, it's not too malty on the mouth. A lot of times the malt, at least to me, will give it that heavy flavor. Uh, but then again, not too light, right? We're, we're not getting a lot of Christmas on, crispness on this one, uh, which sometimes I like a crispy Meritzen. I kind of like a crispy beer, whatever it is, mm-hmm. except for my IPAs. I don't want my IPAs to be crispy. Um, this one's not as crispy as I want it. I actually want it to be a little lighter in flavor, like I said in the beginning of the pod, but it's not too heavy. It, it's actually pretty medium, uh, good good dry finish there. So how about, um, how about an 8.1? 8.1. All right. This thing's hanging around a nice a nice number. So then what yeah, is solid the- solid beer. What is the aftertaste like on this semi-light in color, caramely, not super crispy Meritzen beer? A little bit of a bite at the end, but primarily the same as, as the first part. It's primarily caramely, a little bit more bite, maybe a little bit more nutty and like biscuity on the on the aftertaste that is mm-hmm. different from the front end but pretty much the same. I'm really splitting hairs here, uh, but because I like the beer and because I like the flavor, I do like the aftertaste. So how about an 8.5? All right, 8.5 sounds good. Then last but not least, the famous secret sixth category, BDQ, or in this case, Bay from Delaware. Quite nice Meritzen beer. <laughs> Oh, wait, it's Rhode Island, isn't it? Yeah, Rhode Island. That's okay. How about about bad defense? Bad defense. Quit already. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that one. Bad defense, quit already. Heck yeah. What's the bad defense, quit already quotient on this bad boy? (laughs) Quit already. Let's get all the free. uh, We we should do another podcast and just name all the free agents that are like in the NFL and just, uh, yep, they're good. All right, sign them. Should, should, ah, he's better than Sorensen. He's better than Sorensen. He's better than Sorensen. Should we start trying recruiting for the Chiefs to like get people on our podcast that are free agents? Be like, hey man, you can play for the Chiefs. Be like, yeah, man, I'd love to play for the Chiefs. But great, cool. <laughs> or like, totally not tell them that 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 this is a like Kansas City pod and pretend we're like a, like only craft beer. And then at the very end, we're like, so like, what if you play for the Chiefs? How about that? Welcome to North Dakota's number one craft beer podcast, you hosers. Hunt, hunt for Red Oktoberfest in <laughs> North Dakota. Man, Fargo's nothing. I'll tell you what. Uh, North Dakota State fighting Bison. Eight national championships, five years. We lost all three of our viewers from North Dakota. Or we should just tag North Dakota and see if they love this podcast. Can we anyway, get the, back can we get the state of North Dakota on here. Get like the governor or something like that. I tell you what, you guys haven't had a nice Labatt's. Get that imported. That's the best you can do. (laughs) I love how you know so much about North Dakota. Oh, dude. Super rival. Super rival. Really? Oh, I guess. Okay. Well, that's cool. Anyway, what's not cool? BDQ, bad defense, quit already. Um, yeah, no, th- this beer is actually pretty cool. Like I said, the can art looks cool. And like you said, you know, it's not like an ode to to Germany or ode to like German culture. They're staying true to who they are. The gray sale. 
the sea. Oh man, I'm, I'm the old man in the sea after spending one deep sea fishing day. And this would have been beautiful on the boat, but there was only yingling on the boat. So there was that. Uh, but this would, I'm, I'm getting some nostalgia. I've only been gone for 48 hours from Connecticut, but I'm already missing the sea and the coast. Just drinking this beer, thinking of having it on the beach there. Um, really cool, badass beer. I recommend grayscale. I graysale. I recommend autumn winds. How about a 9.6 for BDQ. What a, what a, what a great beer on a fall afternoon. Dude, did Gino Oriema pay you to like make that pitch for the state of Connecticut? No. <laughs> no, I love Connecticut. I thought Connecticut was cool. Dude, uh, Paul Levesque, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the original Connecticut Blue Blood wrestler, also known as Triple H. The Rock. No, get out of here. It's not The Rock. <laughs> it's not The Rock. The Undertaker, uh, Ray, Ray Mysterio. Mark Calloway, Ray Mysterio. Dude, Ray Mysterio is the best. Mark, Marquise Calloway. Marquise Calloway. Woof. Woof. Calais Campbell. Yeah. Speaking of which, so I know you're like, hey, that's Calais Campbell. Those are legitimately the first two plays I've ever seen Calais Campbell involved in in all of my life. In fact, Arrowhead Pride had posted after that. They're like, how do I find one of these Calais Campbells? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, dude, he- how do you not know Calais Campbell, dude? Because uh, he never does anything. He's about as active on the field as Matt Milano is. Hey, I got his name shout right. To, shout out to Buffalo Mike. I wanted to put him on the pod, but he's, he gets in too late from the bar tonight. Uh, Who, Matt Milano? Out there and, no, Buffalo Mike. <laughs> no, I wish Buffalo Mike could be on the pod. Yeah, you're going to send Buffalo Mike some, some barbecue, right? I I will send Buffalo Mike some barbecue. So I'll, I'll tell the Kansas City the story very quickly. So uh, I, I already had a bet with Buffalo Mike. He was down a lot, a lot of cash on me. So I decided to double down because I thought that Kansas City, we always show up against good teams. Like we always play crappy against bad teams and we show up with good teams. So I was like, okay. Kansas City will show up today. Yeah, boy, was I wrong. Not only did I bet him and we lost, um, but then we also doubled down on the bet. And he said, if we win by 10 points, you send me Casey barbecue. If he if I win by 10 points, he'll send me Buffalo wings. Um, And I lost. And now I will be sending him some burnt ends that I found that were cheaper than the like one hundred and fifty dollars to send barbecue anywhere. Have you ever tried to send barbecue? It's so expensive. Why? I've looked into it for all of about like 30 seconds and I was like, LOL. Nope. It is it do it is so expensive when I was looking I was like I'm not going to send him $150 worth of brisket like no. he's not even going to eat $150 worth of brisket but I, I did I did find a, a reasonable portion on uh on Kansas City Joe's website so I'll send him some I guess. Did you and Buffalo Mike just come kick it with Can- uh, kick it in Kansas City with me? I'm going to have a guest bedroom in about a month. Uh, I know dude. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I will definitely come visit. Dude, you better you better. It's going to be great. I will. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We're going to wrap up the episode really quickly to talk about the Washington football team and no, not about the emails. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back to wrap up this episode with hopefully what's going to be a Chiefs win against the Washington football team on Sunday during the noon hour Reese what is your prediction and why is it your prediction on Sunday all things considered I can tell you that Washington football team defense is very talented particularly on that front line with Chase Young I think he's gonna eat he has two sacks on Patrick Mahomes but I still think the Chiefs eke out the ugliest and nail-bitingest 28-27 victory over the Washington football team. What is your prediction, Armando? If Tyler Heineke beats us on Sunday, I am calling for the firing of Andy Reid. Oh, gosh. Andy Reid's not the problem. Or is he? I know, but uh, I'm saying if if Washington, if, if Tyler Heineke beats Patrick Mahomes, that's it. That's it. Blow it all up. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but because I even have to say that, 
even have to say that pisses me off. Um, but no, it should be a pretty easy win. You're right. The defense is probably going to give us some some fits. I'm sure they're going to do the good old cover two. They're going to run the old cover two, which means Travis Kelsey is going to have a freaking day. And he's they're just going to slant the old Bill Belichick slant in the middle of the field for everyone. And I think we're going to be fine. Um, hopefully this is the defense's resurrection because there is no one on that Washington football team offense that should blow us up. Antonio Gibson might have a day and maybe scary Terry, but all of that is not going to be enough to beat the Kansas city chiefs. So hopefully it's twofold. The Patrick Mahomes looks amazing and our defense looks amazing because they're playing Tyler Heineke. I don't even know if that's his first name, Taylor, Tyler. I don't know, but but we should blow him out. We should blow him out. FCS old dominion legend, Taylor Heineke. Yeah, man, better watch out. He's the real (laughs) pop. You don't stop. (laughs) <laughs> Reese, anything fun you're doing this weekend other than hoping for a Chiefs win? Uh, I have wedding number six of six. You're in kidding. The Holy last three moly. Months to go to. Yeah, so this will be the final one. Uh, I am proud to say I am the pre-wedding photographer for this, so I hope you are ready for some extremely fancy photos. Uh, you know, when did you when did you become a photographer? Uh, I've, al- I've always been a shutterbug. I went through a photography really? phase. Hey, I, I, uh, you know, I watched Fight Club and went through a photography phase. I've never seen you with a camera. Yeah, well, you know, it's because cameras fit in your pocket now in the sake of a phone. You know, not everyone's carrying around a Nikon Cool Picks anymore or a <laughs> Canon Power Shot. Okay, uh, is this is this wedding in Kansas City or are you going to Iowa? It's, it's back in Iowa, going to Urbandale, which is a northern suburb of Des Moines. So, about should a, we? Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying about about a two two hour forty five minute trip. You know, not not too far, not too far. Should should we put a guess on what the beer is going to be if it's not a dry wedding? Well, I think it's a dry wedding. It is a Missouri Synod Lutheran wedding, which, you know. Ah, okay. Well, never mind. I was going to put like the over under that there's going to be toppling Goliath there. So uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> if there's TG at that wedding, dude, I will <laughs> lose my mind. Absolutely what if, lose my what mind. If, what if you brought a flask, but there's craft beer in the flask? Oh, why would you put craft? <laughs> that'd be so bad. <laughs> It's like a warm, like a warm pseudo sue at like after, mm. after you just did the like the like YMCA dance. You're like, all right, now I'm ready to get buzzed. You know, you know what gets me going? Uh, doing the dinosaur with a nice, delicious 96.7 degree pseudo sue that's been sitting <laughs> under my rear end for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> All right, we are we're getting silly on this podcast. That means it's 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 time to go, Reese. Getting silly. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. (laughs) 